0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of God's Little Hummingbird, a podcast where we read the Bible from the beginning to the end in its entirety, and we look at the scriptures with a biblical Hebrew perspective, So, and sometimes Greek, too, as we get to the New Testament, and sometimes even as we need to reference things in the Septuagint, so which is the Greek translation of the original scriptures from Genesis to Malachi. So, That being said, we typically read from the New King James Version Bible, and at times, if you don't have that one, another good translation is the New American Standard Bible, but they're all translations. Keep that in mind. So they get close, but we're here to help even give a little bit more insight. And many, many people I have heard over the years say, I start reading and I just get confused. So That's what we're here to do is read it together and show you the exciting, amazing story and promises encompassed in this book. Now, this is one of the most important chapters in the entire Bible, bar none. So really, we're going to go into this one. And there's some things in here I want you to take note of. So if you need to underline these verses as we're reading them, if you need to make notes, whatever it takes save this episode, whatever, remember this chapter. This is so pivotal, pivotal to anybody in the faith. So let's begin reading chapter 15, verse 1 of the book of Genesis. After these things, the word of Yahweh came to Avram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Avram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great great reward. But Avram said, Adonai Yahweh, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus Now notice this wasn't even his own son this is just somebody who lived with him he was going to who was going to be like the successor and, and benefactor of all of his possessions <laughs> Then Abram said look you have given me no offspring indeed one born in my house is my heir And behold the word of Yahweh came to him saying This one shall not be your heir but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he, being Avram, believed in Yahweh and he, being Yahweh, accounted it to him for righteousness. So he's old. He's over 75 years old. He's like, I have no children and you're telling me I'm going to have children and all of my heirs are going to be as, count, as, as many as the stars? And he said, I believe you. <laughs> I really know that you're talking to me, Yahweh. So may we have that faith. And that's obviously we all need that faith. Verse 7, then he said to him, I am Yahweh who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. So remember, we had to leave Babylon. Ur is in Babylon. We to leave that spiritually and physically and come out to inherit the promised land. Verse eight. And he said, know, Yahweh, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him, to Yahweh. So Avram is the he who brought all these to Yahweh and cut them in two down the middle, and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. So all the animals, if you can picture this, okay, so if you read Jeremiah chapter 34, uh, what is the verse? I got to remember, chapter, uh, verse 18. So if you read Jeremiah 34, 18, it, it also shows this, but in ancient, Israel, in Hebrew tradition, and even just obviously this is before the Israelites, I mean, Israel wasn't even born yet. So to make a covenant What they would do is they would take an animal, cut it down the middle, lay one side on the left, one side on the right. The blood would spill between the two pieces and the two parties making the covenant would both walk back and forth. So they would walk forward and then back through that to where they had originally started, symbolizing and saying, I will die before I break my word with you. Like this animal, I'm going to walk through this blood here to show that my blood will be spilled. I'd rather die than break my word with you. And that's just an ancient tradition. And so, and that's known just extra biblically, historically, and then Jeremiah 34 references it as well. So here's Yahweh saying, do this. We're going to make a covenant right here. We're going to make an agreement. (laughs) So Avram does it. He cut them in two he places them opposite each other, except for the birds. Now, don't ask me why, because I honestly don't know that, so I would love somebody who has insight into that to comment on that um, on our Facebook page, but I just don't know. Verse 11, and when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Avram drove them away. Now, when the sun was going down, so this is at the beginning of a new day, remember the sun begins at sunset, the day begins at sunset, a deep sleep fell upon Avram, and behold, Horror and great darkness fell upon him. That's pretty empower that's pretty powerful. I've had it I've had it happen to me where Yahweh came to me and, and, and I was in a deep, deep sleep and all I could feel was this all I could see was darkness, but I, I knew it was not in a bad way darkness, but I just it, but you do feel that terror of the Lord. You're like, Oh my gosh, like I'm in the presence of Yahweh right now. Um and I remember him being very, very strong on me, and it was the night I came to Torah. It was really amazing, but that'll be a different story. Um, verse 13, <laughs> then he said to Avram, no, certainly. So be certain that your descendants will be strangers. They will be Gentiles in a land that is not theirs and will serve them. And they, so the people who they live with will afflict them, his, the, his descendants for 400 years. Sometimes when you use a lot of pronouns, it gets confusing. So what God is saying to Abraham is your descendants, Abraham, are going to be in a, in a strange land and the people in whose land they dwell, those people, which we know now is Egypt, are going to afflict them. They're going to be there 400, and 400 years, but it actually it was like 430 years. And he said, they're going to afflict them, but then I'm going to bring them out and they're going to get this land. And we know that story came true. Verse 14, and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. Now, when people die in Hebrew, they understand that there is a resting place and they call it Avraham's bosom now. But what Yahweh is telling him, there's a resting place for your soul. (laughs) You're going to die and be with your fathers, your forefathers. But these things are going to come to pass still to your descendants. So know that this is true. So, People don't go to heaven, quote, when they die. There's a resting place until the great judgment. And we, if you read the whole Bible, you see that. But there's a resting place until we are judged, our works are judged. So here he's saying, you're going to rest with your fathers. (laughs) But, 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 these promises are going to be fulfilled to your subsequent generations. Verse 16. But in the fourth generation. So here, God is specifically saying that fourth generation is 400 years. So it's 100 years that he's counting as a generation. They shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Now, sometimes we as humans want to rush things. But look at this. God's like, I, I can't, I can't give you this land yet because they literally have iniquity to be completed. That's pretty scary, right? So you can be god either god already knew what was going to happen and he's going to either give you over to darkness or fill you with the light right i mean that's what he says if you refuse to receive him he will give you over to the based mind and your own thoughts he will give you over so that you can't even understand him so here's these amorites living in the land and he says their iniquity is going to keep growing and growing and i know there's a time when it's so completed that then i'm going to judge them but it's not yet complete it hasn't yet been accomplished hasn't happened yet So again, we can't rush God's timing. Everything is set up exactly according to his time. And he's saying to Abraham, you are going to get this land. Your descendants are going to have it. But I have to wait till the Amorites are wicked enough for me, for my righteous rulings to come against them and bring judgment upon them. Trusting Yahweh is good because he knows way more than us. Verse 17. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, because remember, it was starting to go down. yet it hadn't all the way gone down. So then Yahweh's speaking to him in this almost semi-conscious state of darkness because the deep sleep's on him, but like when I was in my deep sleep, it was like, but it's almost like you're awake, but you're not, okay? So then behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. Did you notice that Avram didn't get to partake in this covenant as far as passing through the pieces? Do you notice that it's only symbolic of the father and the son? Passing through those pieces. Listen. On the same day, Yahweh made a covenant with Avram saying, To your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenazites, the Khadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. This is huge, guys. If you can understand what's happening here. They make this covenant. They're making this covenant. Abraham kills the animals, sets it up exactly how is the tradition in this region at that time. He has all these animals. Notice they're three years old as well. Three years, I, I think often is symbolic of just the, the fullness of the father because he is spirit, but he is he is father and he is son. And so we see these three animals, these animals in their third year being split. The blood is lying there on the ground. Abraham falls in asleep, and there's nothing he can do fulfill his part of this covenant. Nothing. He just has to have faith and believe. Because Yahweh then shows that the father and son working together, they pass through those pieces. They pass back and forth. And this is a unilateral covenant that only God could accomplish. That only God through sending his son, in fact, could accomplish. Because that Canaanite land, which yes, is on earth and yes, will be inhabited again is also symbolic of the spiritual world. And there's no way we, in our own efforts, can pass into that promised land without God's divine help. So God's saying to Abraham, I make a promise. I am going to give you this land. I am going to save, so to speak, your descendants. They will enter, quote, the promised land. And there's nothing you can do to save yourself. You have, you're old, you have no heirs, your your wife is barren. You can't make this covenant happen, but I, Yahweh speaking, I am my great power, can I by, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says Yahweh. And so if you can see this picture, this is a picture of Yahweh saying, I will die, because that's what that means. If you go through any history book, that covenant literally was saying both parties who were making the covenant had to pass through. But notice Abraham was not allowed to pass through. Here's Avram at the time. He is not even allowed to walk through it. But 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 in, in, in essence, what typically happened is both parties pass through saying, I will die before I break my word with you. But Yahweh says to Avram, you can't do anything here. You can't. You can't. This is, this is beyond your power to make this promise come true. But I will die to make my promise to you come true. And what is the promise and the re- promise of the Messiah? Is that if we do for, uh, accept his forgiving grace and then turn our ways around and, and, and enter into his covenants and, and follow him, guess what? Guess what? If we believe in his saving grace, we enter, quote, the promised land, the eternal life. That's amazing. And there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. We can't force it, as you'll later see he tried to. We can't force it. Our own works don't save us. Nothing we do is good enough. But God, in his exact perfect timing, makes these promises come true. And there's nothing we can do to alter his covenant or to fulfill it. He he alone does it. It's amazing, if you can get your mind wrapped around this, what is happening. It is a unilateral problem that he will die to fulfill his word to Avraham. He will die, and he did die. He sent his son to die. And Yeshua, who is also deity, died for us. And he died to make this promise come true. He died to save Israel. And the word Israel means to wrestle with God and overcome. So if you were a blood Gentile, you are no longer considered a Gentile. If you trust in God with all your heart, mind, soul, and believe in the salvation that he provided through his son, you become an Israelite. Okay, just remember that, guys. It's pretty deep. I hope that God opens your eyes to understand, your heart to understand. If not, read it again, pray. And as we continue on through through the Bible, you will better understand what is happening here. But just remember, you can't save yourself. There's nothing you can do to make God's promises come true to you. He alone is the one who will do it. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. But then we do our part by what? By obeying what he tells us so that we can help him to save us. (laughs) So awesome. So when he throws you the life vest, grab it. Okay. Have a blessed day, guys. We'll talk more about that later. But again, I guess just I should just expand a little bit about that. So just remember, we're going to be saved from sin, saved from Egypt, saved from the bad things, all the old ways. We had to leave those bad ways. We're, we get closer to him, learn his ways, and he makes his promise come true to get us to the promised land. But in so doing, we can't continue to wallow in our sins. Sin is transgression of the law. First John 3, 4, Romans chapters 1 through 6, all sorts of things say it. Even in the New Testament, I quote those. So you see that sin is still sin. It never changes. So let him save you today as he's pulling you out of Egypt. Okay, love you all. Have a super blessed Sabbath.